Hi guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Each episode, we'll tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Robert Duran, the owner of Duran's Roofing and Remodeling. They're a commercial roofing and remodeling contractor in the Houston, Texas area. Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for the invite. Yeah. So, Robert, tell me more about your background. When did this all start? Well, we actually got into business in 1984. And before that, we're, I was working at a lumberyard. And so that's how I basically, during the time I was at the lumberyard, I wanted to start something on my own and thought about getting into the roofing and construction business. And I was young enough at that time, Tats, to be able to back away from what I was doing there and literally go out and take a chance. <laughs> and that's basically what I did. And my wife at that point was able to take care of our bills at that point. And it was just a great time to get out there and see what we could do. And that's how we got started. Yeah. So was roofing like a, a first choice or did you start in somewhere and it kind of progressed towards roofing? Well, the way it started is kind of funny is <laughs> at that time, my boss at Columbia said, Robert, I'll, I'll try to send you some work out there and see if we, you can get something going for yourself. I said, that's great. I said, you know what? The only thing I really do not want to do is roofing. <laughs> At that point, I said, send me everything else but roofing. And <laughs> it's really ironic. I really just took off and just started doing little jobs here and there from changing toilets to broken glass to building a little bit of furniture here and there and selling it. And and all of a sudden, we started getting calls on different projects. You know, roofing was one. And roofing just takes more people than one to do. So that was kind of hesitant at that point to get going, but eventually I just started hiring one person after another and and things just progressed to that. Yeah. And uh, so now we're doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Set the scene for me. I, I know you, you're in a growing town, but when you first started, it was a very small town. Kind of, can you sort of set the scene for me so people, people can understand where you come from and uh, what was all like back then? Yeah. Back in that days, back in 84, our town here in Rosenberg, Texas, it's a twin city with Richmond. There was not a lot of people here. And the people that were here, we kind of all knew each other. We'd drive up and down the streets and constantly be waving at each other because we knew everybody. So it was a lot of, my marketing was at that point, put little signs on the truck and newspaper ads and, and was working every job. I was on the job constantly six, seven days a week. And that's how we got started in this little town. And and continue to grow here. And that's what we're doing. But things are changing now. The town is growing and we're real close to Houston. So that tells you it's a really big market here. So I think at this point here, I'm probably the oldest roofer in town. <laughs> so I've been, we've been here a pretty good while now, going on 36 years. Yeah. Now, what can someone in the, you know, that has a business in a big city or a big market, a huge market, learn from someone like yourself that has sort of grown their business in a small community. 
a small but growing community? What, what can they learn? I think the main thing is to do the best you can in everything that you're doing. Don't settle for anything uh, less than that. And of course, we all going to make mistakes right down the road, but we need to really concentrate on just doing the best we can and try not to take on more work than we're able to handle to keep the quality there and consistency, just to keep the quality there and be able to overlook the jobs and, and see them and deal with the customers, talk to them, just let them know we're on the job and we care for what we're doing for them. I think it's it's one thing that can really get lost in a big scene or in a big city where sometimes you just go in and try to make money and move on. And that's not the idea Mm -hmm. to build a business as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. You got to stay there and really nurture the business. And sometimes being small is a lot better than being humongous, in my opinion. Mm, Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess with a small town, you, you mess up. People know real fast, huh? They know real quick real quick and you are who you are you know so if you're built in in a way where you're brought up in, in a way where you take care of things you take responsibility for what you're doing that's a really really great advantage to have versus somebody that uh, has to work on that but that doesn't mean we don't work on it we have to continuously have to work on that because the ball is always moving so and the target is so just consistently and just be there, take care of the customer and honor what you say. Yeah. Sounds like some very yeah. strong fundamentals. Now, I think we had a prior conversation and you, you told me one statement that as part of customer service and serving the customer, there are times where the customer is not always right. Can you explain that to me? There's times when we go do a job and a customer wants certain things done their way or, or this way or another. And, and we know in, in the business and having the experience of what we do, some things are not going to go the way sometimes a customer wants it to go. And that's where we have to come in and say, look, this has to go this way. We have to honor the job. We have to warranty what we do. So at that time, a lot of times, sometimes, the customer is not correct. Or they might have heard something from a neighbor or a relative that things should go this way, but it did not necessarily mean that that's the right way. And so we have to, in those times, stick to what we know is best for that roof or whatever project we're on to continue to do it. And also, of course, talk to the customer and show them the reasons why we think it needs to go the other way. And not to be contrary or, or what they're trying to say, but also show them the reason. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, why the decision has to be made that way. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you had a magic wand and you can improve anything in the roofing industry, what would it be? Yeah, having a level playing field mm. in the business. Over here in Texas, where we're at right now, you don't have to be a licensed roofer. Mm-hmm this and that to be able to participate in the roofing business. We get people that come in and literally you can go out there and just put a sign in your truck and go get a permit or get somebody to get you a permit and you're a roofing contractor. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that we we have to deal with and and we do. I mean, it's it's always been that way. So we're kind of accustomed to dealing with that. But that would be something that really should be 
really brought up and because in a in this kind of atmosphere you also get contractors that are out there that are not doing the best work out there that can be done for a customer so the clients or the customers are the ones being cheated out a lot of times from quality work not saying that we do not make mistakes we do but uh, a lot of these people that come in that are not running with insurances they're not running with a level that you're running with but you're also competing against them and it makes it a hard playing field mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the end result you know is uh, sometimes the customer does not get the quality job they should absolutely so it's definitely to have that uh, in line is uh, very important now looking at it from you have suppliers and vendors right so you have building material manufacturers you have distributors what do you look for in those type of partnerships in terms of support and customer service? What we look for is build a relationship, be loyal to certain people, the certain companies that we try to deal with and see if we can create a loyalty there. I don't like jumping from one company to another for a nickel or two or whatever. I like the consistency, being able to get service. If we need materials early in the morning, we expect the materials to be there. Things like that. And once we build a loyalty like that with a, a company, they're more likely to say, okay, we want to take care of you. And vice versa, we want to take care of them. So it's a team effort. It's a team effort. And pay your bills when they come in. Mm-hmm. There's manufacturers, the suppliers, they need their money just like we do to be able to have our cash flow to operate. And so it's, it's a great thing to be able to be loyal. and in the same respect, too, the suppliers also have to participate in that manner also. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and, and that flows real good at that point. Yeah, for sure. Now, when I first started business, I knew a lot about building networks. But until more recently, it took me a while to understand the how to build and sort of maintain communities. And I know that you're a big communities guy and you like to sort of facilitate that. How do you build a great community? Just try to be involved as much as you can with the community. We're working on on a few things here that we're wanting to start participating in. We also have a location now where we put in a, a showroom in the historic downtown Rosenberg. Hopefully we'll be in there here shortly. And we'll be able to throw events in the downtown area or special events. They have the wine walks. They have the all kinds of things that are done in the historic downtown Rosemary throughout the year. So we really want to participate in that. And we do have a pretty good sized backyard to our locations where we might be able to hold events for the city, for the kids, family oriented. I think it's going to be a great thing for us to participate in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you're an active user on Instagram. What, what got you into that? My daughter, I have uh, two daughters, and they're both pretty good at the Instagram. So I got one of them to, or both of them to help me here and there. And they got me going on it. And every now and then I'm posting my advertisement on there. And I also have another marketing company that's kind of helping us out also. So it's kind of fun. And they're just keeping up with the different things that we're doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what... What are sort of what was kind of the turning point with your business? Because I know you're diversified in a lot of different areas right now with real estate, and you have 
some other businesses. But at what point did it kind of really take off? Was there a single point or did it just kind of ramp up naturally? I think it just came naturally. It slows down and it picks. That's the nature of our business. And we're also in the dumpster business. The way that got started was back in the day in the late 80s, we're doing one job at a time. So I had one dump truck. So we would park that truck at a certain project that we were doing. And that truck might stay there for a week or two. And then some more work started coming in at that point. So started thinking, well, how can we have other ways to haul debris? And so I bought me a truck and a couple of dumpsters, roll-off dumpsters. They're miniature dumpsters. And that's how I got started in the dumpster business. And then all of a sudden, it started renting out to different individuals. Say, hey, will you rent me one? And, and of course, we did. And so we kind of grew that business. So it works really hand-in-hand on what we're doing. And every now and then, we'll buy a house here or there and fix it up, rent it, or try to flip it. So it kind of all falls together in the same grain of work that we do. Yeah, very cool. But plus, I like staying busy, so it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a great thing. Yeah, well, that, that flows into the next thing. So you like being busy, but how do you keep things organized? So what are your sort of top three habits or routines for success? We're not big. We're, we're a small nucleus. We don't try to chase everything that's out there as far as storms and stuff like that. We're not storm chasers. We do a lot of custom work. Just try to stay in the area. We probably maybe go 30, 40, 50 mile radius at the most at this point. And that's enough for us to be able to stay busy. And it creates better work is better. You have more control of it. You have more control of materials that go out to different jobs. We don't run the fear of somebody taking our materials without us knowing. Just things like that that are real simple. but at the end, it adds to quality and also maintaining the cost of materials. A lot of times you run too many jobs or get too big, in my opinion. There's materials that are being delivered all over the place, and there's no real way to be able to control what's being used, what is not being used, and or what's being taken. Mm. And it happens in the industry. So I try to sleep better that way. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Run the business more. Yeah, being in a roofing business, I mean, we're dealing with nature. We're dealing with water. We don't want water to come into the homes or businesses. That's always a worry on our head to to make sure that everything is buttoned up before we leave that day or or during stormy weather or that we remove materials and reapply as we go. Yeah. And so it, it's just a... It's a, it's a fine line to run the business. Yeah. Do you have any hobbies? I used to box a while back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we like to, every now and then we trained out here a little bit. And we love fishing, but we haven't done it in a long time. Honestly, we need to get out a lot more, me and my wife. We yeah. have worked 36 years solid, kind of nonstop. She had a couple of businesses herself. She was a hairdresser for many years. So she ran her own salon. So we had that business rolling at one time also. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of work and raising good kids. And now we have grandchildren. So now it's time to be able to try to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Yeah. Now, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't? That you shouldn't ask me. <laughs> no, no, no. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything <laughs> I, I should have asked you, but have failed to ask you? Oh, failed to ask me. Okay, I got you. Balance your life. Hmm. Learn to balance your life. It's great to work. It's great to create things. Sometimes that gets away from us. We like so much what we do that we get more into it and we do more and more and more, and which is great. But you have to learn to balance your life and spend time with family, take your wife out here and there, and, and try to enjoy life and just balance it out. And doing that uh, is going to produce more work for you and you're going to you're going to enjoy it even better. Sounds like some very, very sound advice. Robert, thank you so much. Hey, we enjoyed it. Thank you, Taps. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.